Acts chapter 14, I'm going to be going to Scripture. If you'd stand together with me in honor to the Scripture, Acts chapter 14. We've been on a revival series, and this will, I guess we could call it part of that. We're not talking about a specific revival, but we're talking about... Um, Corey, you're right on target, by the way. Talking about, uh, I think, a posture that we need to have if we're going to experience the will of God in our lives Let's call that revival. I don't have, I mean, we've already dealt with, I'm not going to redefine it. You, you got it. We've been talking about it every week. But if we're going to experience that, there's a posture. There's an attitude. There's an approach that I believe we have to have, not only if we're going to make it, and I'm not going to just talk about surviving. Sometimes you got to survive. I get it, right? You batten down the hatches. And all this stuff that's going down in south southern part of our states with hurricanes, sometimes you bat down the hatches. But I don't want to live in a defensive mode my whole life because it's not apostolic. A defensive mode for the rest of our lives is not apostolic by itself. The most powerful, aggressive work that happened in the earth was the apostolic church that could not be stopped. And they were not just defensive. They say the best defense is a good offense, right? So I don't want to become defensive. And this, what I'm going to preach here this morning, I just I felt compelled. I've actually preached it many years ago. I reworked it a little bit, and I just felt like it fit where we are. And I hope it will help you. I want to preach. It's called the pivot principle, the pivot principle. And it's a principle out of Scripture. Specifically, we'll read out of the book of Acts. It was an apostolic perspective that we pivot that no matter what comes our way, there's a principle the apostles had that they pivoted. No matter what was thrown their way, they did not allow it to just stop them dead in their tracks. But they kept moving. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Acts 14, Acts 14, verse 19. And I want you to notice with me very carefully. I don't have a map. I wish I had a map I could put up there. Probably should have had a map. I don't have one. But, but geography comes into play here. Watch. There came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Can you say that with me? Antioch, Iconium. Notice, verse 19. These Jews came from this locale. Who persuaded the people, parenthetically, persuaded the people in not a positive way toward the apostolic church. Okay? Persuaded the people, parenthetically. We know that because they stoned Paul. <laughs> uh, yeah. They persuaded them in not a very good way. They persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, notice, where did those Jews come from? Antioch and Iconium. Those Jews came from there, persuaded the people, kill Paul, that, that, that crazy apostolic preacher. We hate him. Kill him dead. Drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Supposing. Some suppositions are false. Don't got time to go there. False suppositions. They thought he was dead. He wasn't. Or he had been and God resurrected him. Take your pick. Howbeit, as the disciples stood around about him, I'm telling you what, on the lowest, darkest, most dangerous, difficult day of your life, you know what you need? Fellowship. The disciples stood around about him. He rose up, shook the dust off, came into the next city. Are you ready? Convalesced for the next six months kicked back, recovered, licked his wounds, and waited a year. The next day, <laughs> he's still got the bruises, he's got the bumps, he's still got blood matted in his hair, he's still got great big black and blue, half-closed eyes from the rocks they had thrown at him. But the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Next! I mean. Add to the bone. When, he, when they had preached the gospel to that city, the next day, by the way, preached the gospel to the next city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. <laughs> I'm back. They were begging for more. Did you catch that? confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Who in the world would have had more credibility 
than the man standing before them that's got bruises all over his body, that's recovering, walking with a limp, and encourages them to continue in the faith. In other words, if I can, so can you. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I didn't feel that way in the 9 o'clock. Oh, my goodness, I felt like I was all alone up here. You ever feel that? Uh, you probably don't. It's not a fun feeling. I told Jesus, I don't got to do this, Lord. I don't got to be the preacher. You want the Holy Ghost can move, somebody else can preach. Well, if there ain't no anointing, I don't want to do it because I'm not good enough for that. We need, we need Jesus. Okay. Continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Whoa. We're going to go through a lot of tribulation and what credibility he had in standing before them with swollen eyes, you know, bruises all over his body but he's keeping on keeping on because that's what you do when you walk with God you keep on keeping on when the going gets tough we trust in the Lord we don't stop we keep on keeping on we pivot they hit us with a rock but we pivot you know they criticize and condemn us but we pivot people stand against but we pivot they may hate us but we love them we pivot devil gets to fighting against us, and we just keep on keeping on. Like the Energizer Bunny for Jesus. Like, I, I, I should probably just get to the word here, but it reminds me of when I was a kid, we would go to Chuck E. Cheese. Anybody remember Chuck E. Cheese? You have a Chuck, probably didn't have a Chuck E. Cheese up here. Chuck E. Cheese, where I grew up, and Chuck E. Cheese, they would give you buy pizza, and you'd get tokens. And those tokens would allow you to play games. And there was this one game that you could play. And there was like ten, there was like four holes, four holes, and four holes. And this, this thing would pop up. And then you'd hit it. And then the things would just pop up. Whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. You know what? Sometimes you ever feel like that? Whack-a-mole? <laughs> Jesus, but we keep on keeping on. All right, God bless you. You can be seated. Jesus, help us, help me to preach the word. Help us to receive it and be better when we leave in Jesus' name. Help me to do it in a timely way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to quote the very famous, very well-known, that great towering citizen, Mike Tyson. The famous heavy white boxer, one of his famous quotes, and I quote, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan, Mike Tyson said, until they get punched in the mouth. You know what I'm talking about? God, everything's going to, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes a right hook. Out of nowhere, you get hit. And, man, you had all your plans were together. I have this thing that I pray sometimes, and I pray it to the Lord. I say, the best laid plans of mice and men, Lord, I know. We try to lay out our best plans, but our best plans aren't good enough. Because you can have a plan, and when you get punched in the mouth, all your plans just go out the window. So what I'm preaching about here this morning is what do you do when you get hit? How in the world do you survive the mess of life? And... Perhaps it is the fine print in the Christian experience that, I was going to say we should do it. I don't know if we should do it. Maybe we should, Tim. When people get baptized before they go in the tank and we get ready to baptize them, maybe we ought to disclose to them the fine print of living for God. And the fine print of living for God is this, that just because you live for God doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems in life. In fact, you're going to be really encouraged. Sometimes you sign up for living for Jesus, and it gets worse. I'm not being apocalyptic. I'm just trying to prepare you for the real world of living for God. Because before, now the world is against you. You know what I mean by the world? The spirit of the age is against you. Now you've got a target that's been drawn on you. For your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roar. Now you have an adversary, and you didn't have that before you lived for God. Now you start living for God, and all of a sudden, sometimes, sometimes you're like, man, I got the Holy Ghost now. And here's, sometimes it works like this. You get the Holy Ghost, and you're riding on a cloud. You know what I'm talking about? 
Like every day is like, oh, so wonderful. Man, I want to go to church. I want to live for God. Wonderful. I love this. This is the best thing in the world. I want to go to church. But then all of a sudden, it may be month number three, and I don't, I'm not taking this from you. It's like the person that says when they, they get married, you know, is the honeymoon over yet? <laughs> what a jerky thing to say. <laughs> is the honeymoon over yet? As if, you know, you're married to the old bag now. <laughs> you're kind of over it. I mean, let, let them enjoy marriage for a little while. But you know what? Living for God in the beginning, often, to, but, but you, hit, you hit this spot and you're living for God. And if I'm talking to somebody here this morning, maybe you're new to God the past six months. Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been two years. And you were riding smooth for about six months. And I've had to tell some new believers as of late. I've had to tell them because I recognize a pattern. And the pattern that I recognize is people come to God and they're doing well. and all this, But it's going to come. It is going to come that out of nowhere, that, that one that's living for God, they're stable, they're strong, they're doing well, out of nowhere comes either an attack or a challenge or a situation. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. And I'm here to encourage somebody that not if that happens, but when that happens. That's when you need to stiffen your resolve and say, though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm going to walk with God. If God will help me, when I get hit, I'm going to recover in Jesus' name. I may be down, but I'm not out. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. I may get hit. I may go through difficulty. I may even create my own messes sometimes. But thank God for mercy. Thank God for grace. Thank God that there's help that's going to come my way. And God's going to pick me up. And God's going to help me to win this battle called living for God. So how do you survive the mess, man? Come on, your spouse divorces you. It happens. Your children run wild and they leave home. Your job fires you, and out of the blue, you're scared. We had a testimony earlier in our 9 o'clock service. We had Joyce, Joyce Kelly testified. What are you going to do when you get hit with cancer? What are you going to do when you lose your home? What are you going to do when you're living for God and due to, to, to no choices of your own? You're going through mental strife and struggle. You're going through emotional problems in life, and you're like, I'd never dreamed that it was going to be like this. I'm so thankful that the Word of God gives us an approach. I'm thankful that the Word of God gives us a strategy to adversity. It gives us an approach that we can take to life. And this morning, I'm going to call it the pivot principle. In other words, how do we respond when we are hit with the painful bumps, the depressing distractions, and the spiritual attacks that come to me sometimes? Malcolm, can you help me out here? I've got a couple of, so pivot, what does it mean? Thank you. What does it mean to pivot, to pivot? Here's my example. This is a basketball. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? This is a basketball, right? If you play basketball, thank you. Now, when you're playing basketball, as long as you're dribbling, you can keep moving, right? What happens when you stop dribbling? You can't move. If you do move after you stop dribbling, what do they call that? Traveling, that's illegal. Blow the whistle. But what you can do, Paul, Paul was a basketball player. When you're playing basketball and you stop, one foot can be movable. The other foot stays planted. They call that your pivot foot. You can, you can move everywhere. You can, I mean, you can move in a bunch. As long as you don't pick that foot up, you can just stay mobile. That's, that's, called, that's called a pivot. Pivot. That's kind of what I'm talking about is a, is a pivot, is a pivot principle, right? It's not only a principle in basketball, it is a principle in life. In other words, there's a part of us that is locked in, locked down, but while we're locked down doesn't move, mean that we don't have flexibility. Because I tell you what, you got to learn, if you're going to live for God, you got to learn how to be flexible. It's one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. (laughs) 
It's actually not in the Bible, just so you know. But that's, it's, it's a principle nonetheless, right? Flexible. And so there's a part of us that has to be fixed, that has to be locked in, and there's a part of us at the same time that has to learn how to be flexible with whatever comes our way. Fixed. How do, how do, how do we remain fixed? Psalms 108 and verse number 1. Notice what David said. It's a wonderful, wonderful scripture. David says it like this. Oh God, he makes a declaration of faith. May we all make that declaration of faith. Sometimes we say things, Thor, that we don't feel, and it's okay. It's not hypocritical to make a declaration of faith and say what you don't feel. Sometimes you have to say things that you don't feel. It's not a matter of just feelings. And so David, David in this scripture, he's saying, he's making a declaration because here's a guy that you talked about the ups and the downs of life. I've said it before. It's almost like David needed Prozac. Almost, I mean... But, but what's he learning? He's learning how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to process my feelings and I'm going to bring them to God. That's a good place to bring them. But through the ebb and the flow of life, David makes a statement and he says this, Oh God, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. What does that mean when he's saying my heart is fixed? He's saying, God, my heart is steadfast. My heart is locked in. I've made a decision, God. And I'll tell you, the one thing that we can be responsible for, there's a lot of things that we cannot be responsible for, but I've got to be responsible for the things that I can be responsible for. And what I can be responsible for is my decision, is my decision that I'm going to live for God. I'll tell you this, as we pass by this way, I'll tell you this, I remember being a teenager and, and, you know, some of you that were, that were raised in church, you, you don't even know the benefit and the blessing that you were given. You ought, to, you ought to leave church today and thank your parents for raising you in the church. I wasn't raised in the church, so I had all kinds of mess I had to come through and all kinds of stuff I had to get through. And, and I remember that first year, I was, I was in love with Jesus, and my life was changed, and, and I was enamored. I was shocked at anointing and blessing and power of God and the realness of all of this that we get to. I was just blown away by it. I loved it. I went from never wanting to go to church. I got baptized. I didn't want to be in church that night. And, and my mother hogtied me and got me to come to church. She was being baptized. I've told a story a thousand times. I ended up getting baptized. I didn't even want to be there in the first place. And God, But God just intervened in my world, and, and he saved me. And, and I was so just in, in love, and sh I'm like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. But can I tell you, can I be honest with you here today? I remember honestly thinking as a new believer, I love Jesus. I love the Holy Ghost. This is awesome. There's nothing like this. This is what I've been looking for my whole life. But can I live this way the rest of my life? I remember thinking that. Oh, God, I don't know, man. I, can I do this forever? I mean... You know, you come out of the world, you got drugs, you got parties, you got, you know, everything, and you're just, you're learning a whole new, and, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know that I can do this for the rest of my, can I do this? But I remember there was a day, and I'm talking to somebody that's new here, maybe. You're maybe new to God. There was a day, I remember it, I was probably 16 years old, and this is what I said in my heart, God, if you will help me to live for you, I will live for you for the rest of my life. God, I'll live for you for the rest of my life. God, I commit myself to you for the rest of my life. And all I'm going to tell you is my life got immediately easier when I made a declaration and I made a decision that come what may, I'm going to live for God. I'm never going to, I can't walk. And at that point, God stepped in. I think that's what David's trying to say here. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I am living for God. Until my lungs stop breathing, I'm living for God. Until my heart stops beating, I'm going to live for God. Until my spirit leaves this body, I'm going to live for the Lord. There are some things that are non-negotiable. There are some things uh, that are not for sale. In this walk with God, in this relationship with God, in doctrine, in truth, in church, in ministry, and the word of God, it is not for sale. My heart is Fixed. So much of living for God is that. Is coming to that point where you're 
planted. I'm locked in. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Until the rapture sounds, you're going to see me in church living for God. This, this is what Paul's talking about when he says this statement. He says, but be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be ye steadfast, unmovable. He's saying, be planted. Whatever happens, saint of God, be planted in the things of God. Make up your mind. I'm going to be a stable saint of God. Make up your mind. I'm going to be a strong... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is just simple. I'm just, I'm just a simple guy, and I just only know how to communicate simply. Here's my thing. If you're going to live for God, why not live for God with everything you got? Okay, let me break it down to you this way. If you're going to come to church, why don't you worship when you come to church? If you're going to be here anyway, why not experience a personal revival in your life? If we're going to do it, right? That's what I'm saying. If I'm going to live for God, why would I want... Here's my thing. Ride a horse. Ride a bike. Ride a trolley car. But whatever you do, don't ride the fence. I'm not going to ride the fence. I want to live for God. I'm planted. I'm fixed. I'm planted. I want to be steadfast. I want to be steadfast. I mentioned the 9 o'clock. I'll tell you one of the most wonderful examples of that. Our dear sister, Linda. We were talking about this, and she helped to re-educate me exactly when it was. 1998. And I remember when Linda Popejoy, Brian, I remember when your mom came to the church for the very first time. She came for the first time. We're in the old building. I think it was, we were still in the old, the old, old sanctuary. And she came in, and I thought, I thought your mom was like a school teacher. She just seemed like she had it all together. Or a Baptist preacher's wife or something. I don't know. And there she is, but little did I know she didn't have it all together. And she came to a revival service, and she came to two revival services in a row. She came, I think it was a Thursday and a Friday. Saturday came around, and I'm like, where's that new lady? She came two services in a row. And I looked Saturday, and... And she wasn't there Saturday. And I come to find out later what happened was is that Linda went home Friday and Saturday and the conviction of God was working on Linda's heart. And Linda knew there were some things that she had to get right in her heart and in her life. And she didn't show up at church Saturday, but she came back Sunday. And when she came back Sunday, she got baptized in Jesus' name that Sunday. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. God is my witness. She dropped her ties in the plate the next Sunday, and she has not missed a beat since. 22 years. I celebrate that. I thank God for that. I'm telling you, I know this, I know this woman. She's gone through tough times in her walk with God. Ugh. But if you're going to go through tough things in your walk with God, what better way to do it than to do it in church? What better way to go through the challenging things of life to do it with the help of the Holy Ghost, the support of the body of Christ, the grace of God, the presence of God, commitment to God. I am fixed. My heart is fixed. Like a mighty old gnarled oak tree. We did this last time. I'm not saying that, Linda's. You, you get what I'm saying. You ever seen it? Sitting out in the middle of a great big field. All the other little trees have rotted away and fallen away. But in the middle of that field, you, you, one comes to your mind right now. Is that 150-year-old oak tree. There's a zigzag black mark down the side of it where it got struck by lightning. You can look and there's a big old branch that comes off the side that's half rotted because there was a bug infestation that came against it. 90 and 100 mile an hour straight winds have beat against have beat against that oak tree but that gnarled oak tree it says but I'm here and I'm here to stay come what may come lightning storms come the flashes of flood come the strong straight winds the gnarled oak tree says I'm here 
and I'm here to stay. It's a testimony to longevity. It's a testimony that says, whatever happens, I'm going to live for God. Here I am. I'm not going anywhere. It's no wonder to me that Isaiah 61 and 3 uses the metaphor and it says, I won't read the whole scripture, but it says that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. It says that we would be called trees of righteousness, the planting, the planting of the Lord that God might be glorified. He's glorified when we're like a strong oak tree. We're planted in the subterranean depths and the roots go down. Every tree, if it's, going to, if it's going to abide, it's got to have roots. It's got to have roots. A pine tree has that one big tap root. An oak tree, as far as the branches go out, so does the root system go out. And, the, and what it's doing is it's basically just saying every one of those little tentacles of roots are just grabbing onto the rock, grabbing onto the dirt, grabbing on. And, and, and so when the winds blow, it's root system because we are trees of the Lord. That root system is grabbing on. And it's fixed. I'm here to stay. I'm locked in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be faithful. I'm holding to apostolic truth. I'm holding to this. You can't take it from me because I made up my mind. I am fixed. Psalm 92 says it like this, 92 and 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I like this, verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord. You got to be planted in church. Amen, Till? You, you get planted in church, in the house of the Lord. I'm planted. I'm locked in. I'm not going anywhere. They that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. You know when you begin to flourish is when you plant yourself. Oh, that's really good preaching. If I'm here and I'm there and I'm flaky and I'm vacillating and, yeah, I live for God today. I won't live for God tomorrow. I go to church one out of six weeks. Come on, man. That ain't going to work. But I'll tell you what works is when you lock in. Come on, you stop playing around with the world and playing with God. And, you know, I'm just going to play the field for a little while. No. When a person makes up their mind, no, though none go with me. I'm going to be planted in the house of the Lord. That's when you begin to flourish, it says, in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit. I got good news for some of y'all. In old age. You notice I didn't call anybody out? You notice that I didn't say what is old? Because to, the, to Gabby, I'm old. To Paul, I'm young. So it's totally relative. I'll let you just, you can just pick wherever you fall in the strata. All I know is those that are planted are going to bring forth fruit in old age. They're still going to be fruitful. Oh, God. May we continue to be fruitful as the years go on and we're planted. We're not as young as we used to be, but we're still planted. And we're still bringing forth fruit even in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> fat and flourishing. I guess it is, you know. It is. Being fat is biblical. The fat is the Lord's. The best steak has got good marbling. Huh? You know, a good chunk of fat on that T-bone. We better leave that alone. we got to keep going here. <laughs> to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. To show that the Lord, it's not about us, so we can't say, oh, look at me. I'm a great stalwart saint. Look at how, man, look at what I pulled. No, no, no. What I know is I pulled this off because God's been my rock. Oh, God. I pulled this off. I know me better than you know me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. I'm here because God's kept me. I'm here because I got a good God. I'm here because I got a foundation that standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Oh, yes, he's kept me. He's a faithful God. Thor, he's a good God. Yeah, he keeps me in the good times and in the bad. We learn how to be patient 
because God keeps us. First Peter, Peter says it like this, The God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Like I said, small print. He said, after you suffered a while, make you perfect. He'll mature you. He'll grow you. He's, he'll, and the next thing he said, establish. He'll make you perfect. He'll make you mature. And then he'll establish you like the tree. Then he'll strengthen you. Then he'll settle you. He'll settle you. I realize some of us need to settle down. Settle down. Because when you're young, you're bouncing back and forth, up and down, round and round, in and out. Here I am. All of that. But when maturity comes, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. When maturity comes, I'm not flaky anymore. Now the roots are going down. Now there's an establishment that happens. And a tree, if it's going to abide, has to be rooted. It has to be fixed. It has to have those roots that go down into the soil that grabs the soil. But are you ready? Are you ready? Here's where I'm going. I hope you're ready because here we go. The tree has to be rooted. <clears throat> so below ground, what you have going on, below ground, the invisible, what you can't see. Some of the most important things that happen in our life are the things that are not visible, are the things that no one can see, right? The tree is rooted below ground. You can't see that. But there's a visible part of the tree that is above ground. And let me tell you something about the nature of the tree. The fibers are built in such a way that this part of the tree that you can't see is locked in. But this part of the tree that you can see, it's got to learn how to be flexible. It's got to learn that when the winds blow, when the challenges come, I've got to learn how to be flexible. Some things i got to learn how to go with. Some things i got to learn how to pivot with. Some things that I don't like, I've got to learn. Because you know what? If a tree is inflexible, what happens to a tree that's inflexible? Just snaps off. You see it. You'll see sometimes a straight wind comes through and it just snaps that tree off. But the tree has got built in, into its genetics, into its fibers. In those fibers, those fibers are saying, you got to go with this. you got to flex with it. Come on, there's some things in life that we are fixed, that we are, we are planted. There are things that come to us. There are things that come to our life unbidden, unwelcome. We don't ask for them. They come into our life. But, oh, God, help us to not only be fixed but flexible. flexible. You're right on target. The winds are blowing. The winds are coming. But oh, we can be flexible. I tell you, this is what I've had to learn in living for God a lot of years. Rigid people are in great danger. What do you mean by that? I, I, I did not say principled people. I didn't say strong people because you can be strong. This is really bugging me. I just want this to be, come on now, be a good example. There we go. You, you, you can be rooted and fixed and at the same time be flexible to what comes at you in life. People that are rigid, you know what? They're in great danger. I've, I've met people, not a ton of them, but I have met people through life that were so rigid that they, they, could, they could have no flexibility. They were so rigid. And I've watched those people over time, and unfortunately, life came their way and knocked them over, and they're gone, and they're not serving God even now. What are you saying? I'm saying we've got to develop a resilience in life. We've got to have an ability to recover whatever happens. Uh, though the wind blows and tries to blow us over, the wind uh, of adversity is coming against us, and we're being blown over. But all of a sudden, we have the power to bounce back. We can bounce back. What are you saying? We've got to learn how to adjust to the trials that come our way. I'm not saying we have to like them. As a matter of fact, not only that, as God begins to work in our life, there's an old song. I wish I remembered it. I'd sing it if I, I remembered it. But it's something along the lines of, he's changing me. He's changing me. Well, Pastor, I've been living for God for 25 years now. I've been living for God for 50 years now. Oh, but he's still changing us. He's still working on us. God's not done with us. 
He's not done with me. He's not done with you. And as he comes into our life, there are times that, and and let me help someone with spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. This is what's going to happen. When God begins to deal with you, he's so patient, he's so kind, he's so loving, he's so good. He doesn't kick us to the curb with the changes that need to come in our life. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll come to us, and there'll be an area that he begins to challenge. In other words, are you still going to be flexible? Are you still flexible? Can God still speak to you? Because he's in the process of maturing us. He's in the process of growing us. And the vehicle that God brings sometimes is painful. We're all in the process of change. And maturity is about changing. But the good news is that I can be flexible. I can say, okay, God, whatever you're working in my life right now, I say, okay. Because we go from glory to glory, even as by the presence of the Lord. We go from victory to victory. So we learn, we pivot, we pivot. What, what, we're locked in, but we still have flexibility. That's how we grow. I want to take it another step. And if you want to get that video ready, is that Jazzy that's back there? Jasmine, Jasmine Trivet. She's ready. All right. I want to show you a little video that will pivot forward. This guy's name is Walter Payton. Many of you may know him. He's a running back. Watch him. I'm going to show you. This guy's going to show you how you live for God. Are you ready? This is how you live for God. Okay, he's getting hit. You see that? He's getting hit. I don't see him quitting. I don't see him crying. He's getting hit. Nope. Oh, there we go. We're going to roll with it. Yep. Got to be flexible. Just got hit. Does he quit? No. Keeps on going. There he is. He's stumbling, but he makes it across the goal line. See that? This is how you live for God. You want to know how to live for God? This is how you live for God. He's got a good blocker. Thank God for that. See that? Come on, you want to know how to live for God? That's how you live for God. Well, I got knocked down. That's how it feels sometimes. Come on, it feels that way sometimes. Oh, Jesus. Come on, get this in your heart. That's how you live for God. All right, that's good. You get it? You get the principle? When you get hit, what are you going to do? You get back up. You get hit, what are you going to do? You're going to pivot. You get hit at work, what are you going to do? Jillian, Jillian, I mean, Jillian has been very, very concerned because Jillian works in a, what do you call it? kind of community, assisted living facility. She works with elderly people. She's been very worried about this COVID because obviously the people she's working with, if she gets it and gives it to them, it could be fatal to them. Big deal. She's been worried about it. But you know what? She, she had one of the people she was working with about two weeks ago came down with COVID. She was with that person for 12 hours. And the guy was probably, he was 90 years old. 90 years old. You know what? That man recovered from his COVID and Jillian never got COVID. What are you saying? We're challenged with things in life. What do I do? How do I live for God? A friend in the church backslides. What are you going to do? Are you going to backslide? A number of years ago, one of my children walked away from the Lord and backslid. So glad that he's back, back home. Thank God that he's living for God now. But, Paul, I remember you telling me of family members that when their kids backslid, when their children backslid, that's when the parents backslid. No, we can't, we can't allow the wounds of life and the challenges of life and the difficulties of life to cause us to quit. You know what we got to do? We've got to get an apostolic resolve that when we get hit, we're just going gonna to roll with it. When we get hit, we're going to keep on keeping on when we get hit. 
When resentment tries to creep up in our spirit and bitterness tries to creep, we say, no, no, I don't want to be like that. I need God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot to prayer. When coronavirus shows up in our country, come on, none of us want this. None of us ask for this. We're doing the best that we can. But listen to me right now. This church, this is not a new normal. This is not the new normal. We're not wearing masks for the next 20 years. We're not, we're not going to live in fear of this thing. We're going to be wise. We're going to do our part, but we're going to pivot in Jesus' name. We're going to pivot. That's why I've been preaching about revival. It hasn't quite happened yet, but it's going to happen. It's going to break out. Come on, you're living for God? You know, when you weren't living for God and you were, you were buying drugs and living on the street, living like a crazy person, guess what? Nobody gave you drugs then. All of a sudden, you get the Holy Ghost, and guess what? Somebody comes knocking on your door, and they got free drugs. Come on. Do I know what I'm talking about? I've been pastoring for a while. I've been pastoring people for a while. What? I mean, no, nobody gave you drugs when you were going to hell, living for the devil. All of a sudden, you start living for God. Guess what? Free drugs show up. What are you going to do? Going to pivot. I ain't going to do that. Come on, you're living for God, you're doing really good, and all of a sudden the wrong woman shows up in your life. I think I'm preaching too particular here this morning, but that's effective preaching. The wrong woman shows up, right? Jezebel shows up at your door with her swishing skirts. What you going to do? You going to let it take you to hell? The wrong man shows up. You've been living for God, doing really good. The wrong man shows up in your life. What are you going to do? In Jesus' name, I'm going to pivot. Because i got to live for God. If there's one thing that I've got to do, I've got to live for God. Someone said something and it offended me. Welcome to the human race. Welcome to River of Life. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to fail. I ain't going to that church. Bunch of hypocrites there. Well, you stinking better never go to Walmart. You better never go to M&H. You better never go anywhere because there's hypocrites everywhere. But I tell you what, what I found, yeah, there may be people that aren't doing what they need to do. But I tell you, in the middle of the church is Jesus in the middle of the seven messed up candlesticks. And he's still walking in the church. So I'm not giving up on the church. I'm not going to be derailed from my directive. I've made up my mind. I'm going to live for God. I may get hit, but I'm going to pivot when I get hit. And when I get hit, I'm not going to curl up in a fetal position in a ball and give up on life. When I get hit, did you see him? He didn't just pivot, but he pivoted forward. Oh, you don't get it. I can tell you don't get it. When he got hit, he used the momentum of that hit to push him forward when he got hit. Sometimes we have binary choices that we make in life. We say either one of two choices, either or proposition, either I die. That's not a good option, just by the way. I quit, I die. Or the other option is I survive. Well, I, you know, I made it, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Can I propose to you a third alternative? Not die, not survive. How about this one? When you get hit, how about you bounce back? How about you allow God to cause that hit to propel you forward? I'm in the Holy Ghost here this morning because I got a word for somebody. I've got a word for somebody. There's somebody here. You failed God. You've messed up big time. And you are in the pig pen right now. And what God is trying to say is don't wallow in the pig pen and don't stay stuck in the pig pen. Let that failure propel you to say, I'm never going to be here again with God's help. I'm never going to be in this mess again with God's help because I'm going to live for God in the name of Jesus. I'm in the pit right now and I got hit and I've made a mess of some things, but I'm going to pivot. If it means one yard at a time, one inch at a time, I'm going to pivot forward in Jesus name oh holy ghost Jesus name all right holy ghost holy ghost help us in Jesus name I got to deal with our scripture here okay Acts 14 and then we'll close music can get can get ready Acts 14 
there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Paul's having a very bad, no good, rotten day. It's a bad day. I've got to be careful how I say this. He got stoned. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though? They rocked. They picked up rocks, and they threw rocks at him. They threw rocks at him. I mean, we're not talking pebbles. We're not talking inch and a half rock. We're talking stones, big stones. They take rocks, and they are so infuriated at this apostolic preacher that they take rocks, and they throw rocks at him. Bam, bam, and he gets hit. He gets hit in the head, and he's got a lump on his head. He gets hit in the side. His side's thrown out. Man, they're throwing rocks, and before you know it, he's laying on the ground, buried under a pile of rubble, and they left him for dead. So either A, he was dead and God resurrected him, or they thought he was dead, and we don't entirely know. Supposing he had been dead, howbeit he went to church. He went to church, and the disciples got round about him. Oh, God, you listen up, and this is a church. I, don't need, I probably don't even need to tell you this. I'll just, I'm going to reaffirm one of our values that matters. We don't kick people that are down. We don't kick people that are broken and bruised and bleeding. We exhibit mercy and grace and love. And when they're down and they're half dead and they're laying on the ground, that's when we gather around them. We gather around them. That's when we pray the power of God down. That's when we exhibit mercy and we exhibit grace. That's when we show up. The Bible says they showed up around him. And the Bible says, and he rose up and he got up and he got up if you're half dead bleeding broken having a really bad week month year decade life then then get up bible says he rose up he rose up he rose up and i really like this and came into the next city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Next! You want to know what it means to be apostolic? That's what it means to be apostolic. I ain't quitting. We got too much sissy stuff in the church. Sissy stuff. Sissy stuff. Get blown over by a two-mile-an-hour wind. Are you kidding me? We got to be apostolic. Come on. Am I in an apostolic church? I wonder, am I in an apostolic church? Oh, I feel bold here this morning. I'm just trying to hold back. I feel like speaking it like a... Are we in a church full of a bunch of sissies? Going gets tough. We just cry and whine and poor us. And we're offended and poor me. And wah, wah, wah. I, and, you, and, and we honestly think we're going to stand in heaven in glory land next to Stephen that was stoned for his faith uh, and people sawn asunder and people lost anything and everything that they had and we're going to talk about our little two mile an hour winds. I tell you what we ought to do. We ought to say thank God that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that they are cheering us on and they're cheering us on in the grandstands. Uh, Hebrews 11, they're in the grandstands uh, and they're cheering us on and what they're saying is that if I made it, you can make it too. They're saying, if I went through the trial and made it on the other side, you can make it through the trial and get out on the other side yourself. They're clapping. They're celebrating. They're saying, come on, church. Come on, apostolic church. They departed with Barnabas to Derby. And notice verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city... Paul's like, all right, let's go, man. Let's go. We're having a revival. <laughs> no, no, I got, I got to get it right. <laughs> We're having revival. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts so good. But, man, we're having revival. Mm. Oh, my head hurts. But, oh, devil, if you could have stopped me, I'd already be dead. But I ain't dead. Because if the devil could kill me, I'd already been dead. But I'm still standing. 
We're going to have us a revival in Derby. We're going to have us a Derby revival. Where are we going next, Paul? (laughs) You know where we're going next? We're going to Iconium. We're going to Antioch. This guy's nuts. No, he's apostolic. How do you stop that? Because God puts something inside of someone. It's called grace. It's called a recognition of a need of God in my life. And with Christ, I can do all things. I'm going to Iconium. I'm going to Antioch. What do you say, guys? (laughs) Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. And a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Come on, guys. What do you say? Let's have us a revival. Come on. Oh, oh, it hurts. But man, we're winning. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. What's he saying? What better example of someone that could stand before them and tell them to keep on keeping on than the guy that's wearing bruises? He's bearing about in his body the marks of our Lord Jesus. And he's saying, yes, I've suffered. But, oh, I know the glory of the resurrection. I've got resurrection life in me. Come on, disciples. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. He's saying, hey, it's what we're going to go through. But the pivot principle says, come on, are you ready? Stand to your feet. If you're able, stand to your feet. But the apostolic pivot principle says, this is what it is. I want to be very very careful about what I say. This is not just an act of the human will because the human will is not enough by itself. You hear what I'm saying? It's not enough. The human will is not enough. Say, oh, I'm big and bad. I'm just, I'm I'm apostolic. That's what I'm. No, no, no. It's a faith-filled, godly, and intentional, responsive action to whatever life throws at you. Come on, church. Whatever life throws at you, the pivot principle is, whatever life throws at you, I'm going to respond in faith. I'm going to pivot. Oh, I got hit. Where would that come from? I'm going to respond in faith. I'm reaching toward the goal line. Come on, it's goal in 10, church. Are you ready? It's goal in 10. Are you ready? Let's pivot in Jesus' name. In fact, let's do it right now as we move into an altar service. Let's pivot in Jesus' name. Satan tries to hinder us, but we pivot in Jesus' name. Come on. We face beasts at Ephesus, but we pivot in Jesus' name. Stone. But he dusted himself off and he pivoted in Jesus' name. Come on, in Philippi, in prison. But he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Pivoting in Jesus' name. Pivoting in prayer. Pivoting in worship. Pivoting in commitment. Pivoting in the will of God. Pivoting in repentance. Come on, let's do it, church. It's time to connect with God right now.